and welcome to the Alba Diversity Podcast, an Alba network undertaking to profile and highlight diverse and immigrant neuroscientists. The Alba network aims to promote equity and diversity in the brain sciences. We talk to neuroscientists across positions, career paths and backgrounds to better understand their personal journeys. We showcase the grit and determination it takes to overcome hurdles as part of underrepresented or minority groups. We talk about what keeps them going as individuals and as neuroscientists in today's world. Um, and today we have with us Dr. Otan Wang. Uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Otan. I'm a team leader of the Laboratory of Neuroepitranscriptomics at uh, Riken Center for Biosystems Dynamics Research uh, <laughs> in Kobe, Japan. And what is your specific area of study? So brain and RNA are the two keywords of my research. And we're particularly interested in understanding the dynamic RNA regulation at neuronal synapses. So my lab is named the Laboratory of Neuroepitranscriptomics, and it's, it's part of this burgeoning field of uh, epitranscriptomics. I've never heard epitranscriptomics before, so is it a combination of epigenetics and transcriptomics put together? Yeah, exactly. It's epitranscriptomics in neuroscience, and it is required for the synapse function underlying the cognitive development and the decline. And that's what we want to know. We're using rodents, mice, so that we can study from, you know, the, we can start from the molecular identification to cell imaging all the way to behavior tests using the transgenic or the uh, genetically engineered animals. So when was the first time you thought about neurons and the brain? Uh, when and where in your training did you realize, oh, I mean, the brain is an amazing organ to study? When I was a kid, I, I was just curious about how I can perceive the surroundings and communicates. I, I somehow had this uh, fear that I wouldn't be able to see things in the same way or similar ways to other kids and they can make fun of me. So I somehow I had this fear and I also had, I was also worried that they may think differently, but that they won't be able to tell me because they really cannot see the inner, my inner brain to confirm I was wrong. So I was just, you know, curious. No, and that was a very deep uh, realization for a young child. I mean, you basically just described qualia, right? Yeah, I, I just, I guess I was worried about things <laughs> like this, about communicating. Um, yeah, and also I was very curious why we could um, imagine doing things that seems impossible, like flying, you know, over the mountains or, you know, pretending to be a princess. <laughs> yeah. Or a fighter or someone that were Olympian champion, you know, mm-hmm. um, And I was just curious, but I didn't know we can actually study it. We can actually take approaches to to design experiments, to study its functions. That's a wonderful kind of curiosity to have as a child. So how did it sort of translate into a career? 
um, I had a great fortune to study as a PhD student under Michael Quick, Professor Michael Quick at uh, University of Southern California. So before I joined his lab, I was already a cell biologist. I was always curious about how cells work. Um, but in his lab, I started to look at the neurotransmitter trafficking in the brain, mm -hmm. uh, uh, more specifically about GABA transporters on the plasma membrane and how that can regulate GABA and similar concepts can be applied to serotonin, dopamine, you know, norepinephrine and other the neurotransmitters that can make us feel sad, happy, calm or anxious. It's fascinating. And my PhD thesis was about how the GABA transporter is regulated. Can you tell us a little bit about like the kind of work you do or specifically the kind of questions you're looking to answer? Yes. So as I started to explain about the neuroepitranscriptomics, so epitranscriptomics is concerning the, the chemical and the structural properties, the physiological functions and the disease relevance of RNA chemical modifications. And there are 170 of them known today. And many of them are in the brain. And even more that are not in the brain, but they can affect brain function. So our work, our previous work and the current work identified that the synaptic transcriptome is highly degraded with RNA modifications, you know. And the RNAs that carry these modifications are the ribosomal RNAs, transfer RNAs, messenger RNAs, microRNAs, pvRNA, car RNA, uh, circular RNA, all sorts of RNAs. So our goal is to really understand that how these RNAs with their modifications can uh, respond to the synaptic activity that underlies the cognitive changes in the brain during development and also during functional decline. That's absolutely fascinating. You know, synaptic level molecular transformations and sort of molecular, you know, gating. And you, the way you just described the kinds of RNAs that are at the synapse, it just, it just completely blew my mind. <laughs> I think the, the RNA modifications perfectly fit into this very highly responsive and dynamically regulated uh, gene expression paradigm. Do you have somebody who has been a role model to you, who you think has been a mentor? Yes, all the time. I have four mentors as I, you know, in grad school, in my postdoc training. Um, and I consider all of them my role models. And my students in the lab, my secretary is also my role model because I consider people who have passion, who care about their work, and they have developed their own approaches to, to their mission, to their dream. They're all my role models. Is there something specific that you've learned, like something very strong? You know, it sort of stayed with you through all these years? I think being persistent is one thing that I have seen many um, people that are very successful in their 
drop in their career, and I start to see this common character, which is being persistent, being true to to their mission, and just focus. That's a great、uh, quality to have, especially in science, right? Because we're faced with so much failure on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and and you're absolutely right. Being persistent is so is is probably the only way out. You know, it's probably the way to handle、mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the failure. Yeah, my mentors always just they they provided me the environment. They provided the safe and the fun、uh, mm-hmm. research environment. Once they are sure that I'm on track, they let me do what I want to do and explore and fail and learn throughout my my graduate career and also postdoc training. I was free to talk to colleagues, other students anytime.、Uh, That is so important, right? Like to to learn from other people, also to learn from your own <laughs> failures. And so now we'll shift. A little bit, yeah. So, do you consider yourself to be a part of an immigrant group or a minority group? And have there been times where you felt it, like you felt that you are part of like a group that's not a majority? And have you sort of faced either very subtle discrimination or sort of very overt discrimination because of that? I am a Chinese female scientist in Japan. So, depending on your definition of group, <laughs> I, I, I guess I can say that I'm in a tiny, 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 tiny minority group <laughs> for, for sure.、Mm-hmm. Um, Would you say it's sort of intersectional? Because you know, you mention your nationality, or I, I guess your culture and ethnicity of you being Chinese, but also you being a woman scientist. So I guess it's their their intersectional woman in a Japanese. Sort of male-dominated STEM field. Yes,、um, I am. Yeah, I'm in the intersection, and it's very easy to get hit when you are in the intersection. <laughs> so, yes,、yeah. yes. I think I face the challenge of discrimination、uh, a lot.、Um, I think the people that I faced、uh, discrimination from are most the people who don't know me, who don't really know me. They are、uh, making decisions based on my CV career, but they don't know me as a person. But also, I think sometimes the positions are very, very limited. And people have to make decisions, so we have to be aware that discrimination is there consciously and unconsciously.、Right. But I was also sort of welcomed and supported by many、uh, scientists in Japan.、Uh, so tell us a little bit more about who supported you. I mean, like so, it's always nice to have allies, like you just mentioned. So, but the people who supported me are most the people who know me well, and、right. they know I can do the job, and they want to see more diversity, and they do have expectation for me to contribute to the diversity of neuroscience society in Japan. For example, I'm part of the diversity、uh, committee at the Japanese Neuroscience Society,、mm-hmm. so I think I do have the support, and I have the support for a reason for a common goal. 
that's wonderful i mean you've already segued into our next talking point which is diversity but congratulations on being part of such an important group and it's so nice to hear that you know the japanese neuroscience society thinks it's important enough to have uh, a diversity group so what does diversity mean to you uh diversity means to me that i or anyone will feel comfortable expressing themselves expressing their thoughts without worrying by expressing themselves they can be excluded from professional opportunities mm-hmm. i think it's extremely important in science yeah. so in science especially in science in in academia that we believe that fair competition is the core is the core value in stem in general having a diverse set of voices is so is so important have you come across an example maybe a, an incident in your life where diversity having diverse voices actually helped or you know made a difference yes i can think of our research our research requires the people with different training backgrounds with you know different uh, opinions different um, ways of approaching the problem my research group is very diverse my working environment at Riken is very diverse and i think it's essential for us by people from different backgrounds come to talk together and to be able to express their own scientific thinking i think that's how we can achieve some understanding mm-hmm. of complex problems in the lab and it's not restricted to just our lab I think international collaboration is so important uh which brings that nobody should be uh excluded based on their gender, religion, you know, age or so I guess I think it's important on a daily basis. As long as we're doing research, diversity is essential and we realize that. We we know it. We talk about how to make the you know community more diverse. I think once we start to have a common goal, one passion, one goal, we realize that we need each other and we start to appreciate each other. There's no room for discrimination because it's just not on our mind anymore. What are some of the things that you do as part of the diversity committee for the Japanese Neuroscience Society? We're very detailed. I think it's really good that we come together to actually read through the current policies and to know the situation more quantitatively so that we can understand the situation better. And we work on the regulations for example for the society uh, for the Japanese government we work through their policies we work through their programs for promoting uh, gender equality. and we discuss what that policy may affect us or may affect the society and we support international efforts for the equity and equality for example alba we supported the alba declaration and we also work on uh, raising awareness that's very important because sometimes especially when new students come in i've seen that they sometimes feel lost societies like this have to do the right thing at that point Um, yes. 
academia is very notorious for you know not allowing you to have a work life balance um how have you managed so far i put a lot of hours into work for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. um if i had more time i would also put it into work <laughs> i don't know i it's hard for me to sort of separate work or life where i just right. i love what i'm doing um my lab is very new my lab started from april in kobe mm-hmm. and i have been working in kyoto university I, i mean i'm still affiliated with kyoto university mm-hmm. um so i've been living in kyoto for the past eight years Oh. Yeah. But I guess I managed. I I have a I have a great family and I have great friends and yeah. you know my husband and my daughter they're really they're doing it very well. Um and it didn't appear to me that me working hard is hurting my family life. Mm-hmm. And uh so the reason I stay in Kyoto and commute just a long commute is that i would like to have dinner with my family every day and it's very very important mm-hmm. for us we have to have one um it doesn't have to be very long but we we just have to have uh, this family time uh quality family time every day so i so i commute one good thing happened the last year is that i you know both my husband and i can be at home Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of bad things because of the pandemic, but also some really nice things because you get to yeah. spend time with your family. That's true. Amazing things. Yes, yeah. I have female friends who I think are currently struggling with you know handling family and yeah. uh, and also uh, career at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the female friends who have small children. it's been so difficult in general for women for women scientists yeah. and so yeah. last year when i started interviewing only last year for this series and we've gotten so many people and it's both empowering and very sad that it doesn't matter where you are a woman scientist like the problems are always the same uh, all women go through the same problems you know discrimination in terms of being a woman discrimination in terms of being a scientist in terms of being an immigrant in terms of having children yeah uh, somebody asked me how i felt and i said it feels not alone you know and so you feel like there is a connection um and that's what i try to do with the episodes i try to bring up these issues and maybe it will help somebody else feel like they're not alone so. oh my god that's so important this when i have problems and when i don't know what to do i start to think whether it's my problem is that my behavior is that something i did wrong but seeing people's stories and experience i think i can stop blaming myself and find support and no matter what i just need to focus on my mission like you said keep the big goal in mind and we keep trying <laughs> yes yes Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alba Diversity podcast. To know more about the Alba network and its activities to promote equity and diversity in the brain sciences, please visit alba.network. You can also register as a member for free and take full advantage of the network's resources. For more details, follow the Twitter handle @network_alba or albanetbrain 
on Facebook.